Vermont Viewpoint is a public affairs program produced and funded by WDEV and the Radio Vermont Group. We welcome listener feedback. Email your comments to vtviewpoint at radiovermont.com. Hi there, folks. This is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. Joining me on the phone is Scott McLaughlin, who's the executive director of the Vermont Granite Museum. Welcome, Scott. Thank you, Pat. It's been a while, huh? Yes. <laughs> yeah, we have to fix that. Um, anyway, Scott is going to provide us an update on what's been happening at the Vermont Granite Museum, which if you haven't been there, you really should. Um, Scott, can you share with our listeners a little of your background and why you said yes to becoming the exec director of Vermont Granite Museum? Well, I've been working hmm. in the state of Vermont since high school, since 1986. <laughs> I remember that story. <laughs> uh, as an archaeologist and a museum professional. Um, I was really fortunate to have the opportunity to work with the Vermont Division for Historic Preservation uh, to create uh, two museums, Chimney Point Historic Site and the Mount Independence Visitor Center. I also had an opportunity to work at the Maritime Museum uh, when they first started. So creating museums has been kind of part of my DNA. And when I was asked to help out here at the museum, at the Granite Museum, uh, I jumped at the chance because, uh, first of all, they've got a great story to tell. Second, they've got an amazing building, this massive granite plant. And third, I, I really enjoyed that challenge. Uh, and I thought, this is mine. I can take and work with volunteers and the board to turn it into a museum, a heritage center, and a school. So I, I just thought that challenge would be exciting for me in uh, the next phase of my career. That's great. Do you know, you mentioned the Maritime Museum, and I don't know how many people know about that museum, but it is fascinating to me. I love going over there. Um, so you did a great job, and as you are doing at the Vermont Granite Museum. Um, I know you speak a lot um, to different groups and stuff. How do you explain what the museum is to those who may have never seen it because it's all visual to me. You just, it's all the environment and visuals. And how do you say to them, here's what the museum's all about? Well, first of all, it's housed in the Jones Brothers Company Granite Manufacturing Plant, uh, which is this massive, what I describe as an industrial cathedral built in 1895. <laughs> uh, it's 300 feet long, stands 45 feet high, and its widest point is 150 feet. Uh, and so uh, the building itself is just amazing to look at. You can spend hours just looking at how the timbers are all put together. And, um, but within the building itself, uh, it's filled with light, uh, thanks to the 144 windows in the building. Wow. And we've got exhibits that really cover the gamut from cultural history, art history, uh, for the granite communities throughout the state of Vermont. And then we also have a stone art school. Uh, so you can see exhibits and people at work uh, right within the building. So it's a very active space. Yeah, that's it's really great. And I, um, if you could also, from a visual perspective, when you enter the grounds, I mean, you're immediately uh, presented yeah. with the sculptural sign, and then you see the railroad. I mean, the grounds themselves are fabulous. Could you talk a little yeah, bit right about that? Yeah, right from the very entrance. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we try to captivate people's attention. Uh, we've got this massive sculpture of the torso of a granite worker making a millstone. 
Uh, and millstones were one of those first products that uh, colonial settlers made here in the state of Vermont. Um, they were needing to grind the grain they were growing, and so millstones was a critical component. Uh, and they found granite um, in the southern part of the state, not in quarries, but as big boulders. Huh. So uh, we thought, let's pay homage to those first granite workers. And Chris Miller designed the piece uh, that's there, and uh, the muscular arms are hammering away at this uh, <laughs> chisel, working the stone. And as people look up from there, they can see the 1940s diesel locomotive with a flat car, this 90,000-pound block of granite sitting on the flat car, and carved within it uh, through sandblast, it says Vermont Granite Museum. Uh, there's no doubt where you are at that point. And yeah, that- beyond the locomotive, you can see all these stone walls, and that requires uh, some explanation. Uh, those stone walls are actually teaching walls. Uh, those are ones that uh, the instructors from the Stone Trust from Dummerston, Vermont, are using to teach traditional techniques on how to use local stones, including granite, in order to build these um, you know, strong and durable stone walls, which will last for centuries. I and saw winding that. Winding around them, you'll see a path. And uh, along that path are granite sculptures dotting the landscape. That you know, I saw cool these space. stone. I saw the stone um, class or um, whatever we're calling it. Um, the stone trust. Stone yeah. trust. Um, I saw that on Facebook, and I thought, how wonderful, um, because they're learning, and and it's a permanent uh, um, a place right here in the in the land of the, of the granite museum. It's what a great opportunity for them and for the museum. So tell me about the I tell me about the path because I know they talked about that for quite a while a few years back. Yeah, and it's happening. So we've it been, happened. Yeah, we've been working hard to create a sculpture park here at the Granite Museum. It's a half mile path. Uh, we've got roughly half of it completed in terms of the packed uh, granite surface, and we're starting to fill in the space uh, with granite sculptures of different types. It's not just local stone, but it's stone from uh, all over the world, but carved by people that are connected to Vermont, whether born, raised here, or still sculpting here uh, in the state. Yeah. And so we've got pieces uh, from different eras uh, going back 50 years uh, that will be filling out that space, and some modern pieces as well. Uh, I, and uh, if I remember correctly, because I was on the board for a couple of years, um, they wanted to change those sculptures from time to time so that if you visited the path often, you'd see different sculptures. Is that in the future? Is that going to happen? That's correct. We've got the resources to be able to move around these heavy pieces. Uh, and so we thought turning this into uh, a space that's like any gallery and you constantly right. are changing the exhibits uh, would encourage people to come back to the space. Uh, and see what's new. And we have people that already walk the path every day, dozens of people uh, with their dogs, walking, uh, just enjoying the natural landscape along the Stevens Branch with the Nuski River. So it's just, it's a nice place to be. That's great. How did the, um, that reminded me, how did the the flood impact the uh, museum? Were you guys okay? So the museum proper was fine. This building, when they conducted the, res- the renovation work that was done in the early 2000s, they raised the building right. up out of the floodplain. So we weren't impacted here. But some of our other property on the path was. Yeah. We had a washout. 
And we've got six inches of mud across the field opening. And we're just letting the grass grow back up. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a natural scape, so, and we're just invading it with a little bit of a path and some sculptures uh, and let people just enjoy the natural space. Good decision, I think. I tried uh, scooping out <laughs> mud. Mother Nature. Don't even bother to sco- try to scoop that mud. You can't. It's it's backbreaking. Um, but I remember uh, when the the building was lifted up. That was. I went by every day just to see the progress made. Um, I kept waiting for the building to sort of break in half because it's so big, and they kept lifting it up. And I I had no idea. Some engineers must have been serious in their in their profession it was a fabulous project to watch it was amazing so and that's we're good very thankful for the restoration work it's yeah. a nice solid building today there's renovations that need to be done to the materials that were applied in the early 2000s but that's uh, just general maintenance to any building well if i um since you've been there there's been a ton of, of projects that you've overseen um as the executive director and with your background um, perfect. Uh, the museum has always noted how lucky they are that you're there. Um, can you talk about some of those improvements? I, know, I remember the floor. That was yeah. a big one. And the kitchen. Um, could you talk about those projects and anything else that uh, you want to talk about? Sure. Well, since the inception of the museum, uh, it's had two functions. One is an economic driver for the region and second as a community space. And so we've made every effort to fulfill that mission. Uh, first of all, making it accessible space. So pouring the concrete floor, which you had mentioned, right. um, that was a major project. Almost all the granite plants uh, that were built this early, in 1895, they all had dirt floors. And we have little pieces of concrete here and there. But we needed to create a comfortable space for visitors. So that meant getting rid of the dirt, right. putting concrete in. That was a huge project, but made it possible to move things around, make it a usable space for everybody. Joining me is Scott McLaughlin, who is the executive director for the Vermont Granite Museum, and uh, had asked uh, Scott what are some of the major projects that he has overseen since he's been with the museum, and there are many. And you talked about the floor, which I remember going to a, uh, a country western dance there before the floor. Whoa. That was an opportunity to get a little dusty, um, but so the, the floor was a great improvement. And the, what the texture that you picked out for that floor, it just fit the museum building. It was it was a great selection, I thought. Well, the building is rough. Uh, it's got its character from the 1890s and having been used continuously uh, for nearly a century. Uh, the idea was to create a floor that still look rough. So yep. what we did is we mixed different uh, epoxies, uh, different colors, just little shades of gray and clears, and then splashed it on the surface, and it looks great. Yep, it looks it like does. it belongs for the rest of the building. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah. So then we move on to the great kitchen. I painted one of those walls just for your information. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and as a community space, we wanted to make it available, uh, the entire museum, to nonprofits, corporations, uh, anyone who needed a space to celebrate. Um, and so having a caterer's kitchen in the building along with commercial bathrooms, a stage, an auditorium space uh, really makes it possible uh, for anyone to use it uh, that wants to. And we've had birthday parties and corporate events and fundraisers 
uh, helping to support uh, all the folks that are here in central Vermont and had nine weddings so far in the building. So celebrations of life and and all of those are really part of our community. We wanted to be able to be uh, able to serve that community in their needs. So. Well, you certainly did that. I had, I held a, a debate there. Um, I rented the space and, uh, it was perfect. It was just great. The stage is, is well placed in the building and acoustics are great. Um, it was a wonderful event. Um, and that kitchen is, uh, it's just top drawer. It's awesome. It is. It's <laughs> well, great. Granite countertops, of course. Well, exactly. Exactly. And, uh, I, we need to give a shout out to dad, um, because didn't Dad make all of the or many of the yeah. um, cases, the display cases? Yeah, my father uh, was a builder for uh, 47 years, and so uh, he uh, has been here since the beginning with me, uh, helping to build things like the kitchen, classroom spaces, uh, anything that needed to be constructed, exhibit panels. Uh, so he's been strategic in making this possible. That's great. I, I want to read a little bit of a quote. Um, uh, I was reading for the show. I was reading some background and it's, it's, uh, I was thinking, what do people for the first time when they walk in the door, what do they see? And it's uh, been described in this article I was reading as a stimulating environment for discovering the geology, technology and art of Vermont's unique granite heritage using a variety of interactive displays. And it really brings people in to the industry and to the work that goes into um, sculpting. And um, and there's a climbing wall still there, is there not? That's correct. <laughs> that's that's not for me, but maybe a little bit younger. But anyway, you go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say that you know, all of our exhibit spaces. We want to make sure that uh, they're inviting for anyone. Uh, all ages and uh, different levels of interest. And so the climbing wall is connected to the Cory exhibit. Cory exhibit has dioramas, it has objects, it has graphics, photographs, some text. And so you can enjoy the space no matter right. how much you want to engage and how you'd like to engage within it. Right. And, there and that's are t- our goal within all the exhibits. And there are tours, right, Scott? I, um, volunteers give the tours around so they can point yeah, out. So when we have large groups, we do. We give uh, guided tours, like bus tours, school groups. Uh, if it's you know a small family, uh, then we encourage them to self-guided tour. And if they have any questions, just come and ask. That's great. And if they don't come to the admissions desk to ask, just ask any of the volunteers uh, or the sculptor that may be working uh, that particular day. That's awesome. And um, you were talking about the sculptors. They, as you said, they are there working on their project and uh, they answer questions and you can watch them work and uh, they can talk about how how the design starts, how they do the modeling and how it be, then becomes the end product that you see. Um, uh, oh, in exhibits. Scott, we have a call from Forbes in Corinth who's calling to ask a questions. Forbes, nice to hear from you. Go ahead. Hi, yes. Um, I was just over there recently, and uh, what a beautiful building, yeah. and what a what a uh, living testimony to Barry's history, and uh, being the the uh, granite city of the world. But uh, if your guest ever gets an opportunity, while I was there, this fellow was out weed whacking the entire property, uh, <laughs> pretty extensive. And it really made it 
look good. So if he gets a chance, uh, get a hold of Phil Scott and uh, thank him for what he did to the grounds. It's beautiful. Was was that Phil Scott doing the weed whacking? That's right. Oh, my word. Thank you, Governor. (laughs) I didn't know that. I would have asked a question. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to compliment all the volunteers and the, the board of the Granite Museum is clearly a working board. They, um, they would schedule Saturdays and give everybody assignments. And, um, most of the folks on the museum board at the time that I was on it were men from the granite industry. And then there was me. And I, I said to the, um, uh, chair of the board, I said, where's the girls list? Because I can't do some of the things that the guys can do. So she made me a special list just for us girls. So I got to help as well. Um, wow. Well, did you, doc? Uh, that's really amazing. Thank you, governor. Well, the governor does his Wheels for Warmth program right. uh, here, which is at the end of October. Uh, and uh, so as part of a thank you to allowing him to host the event here, he said, well, what can we do? And I said, well, I'm constantly trying to keep up with grounds. <laughs> and so uh, he was able to coordinate to get some crushed granite for the driveway oh. uh, and do some weed whacking, kind of clean things up for me. Uh, and uh, greatly appreciate his help. And That's as amazing. you pointed out, the hundreds of other volunteers over the years that have put in tens of thousands right. of volunteer hours to make this possible. Yeah, we'll have to remind people of Wheels of Warmth here. I'm sure they they do a lot of uh, advertising here on WDEV. That's an amazing, amazing program, which started many years ago and has continued to be successful to help folks in need during the winter for fuel. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you, Governor Scott. Shout out. <laughs> that's great. Um, now, you are also responsible for uh, many events. No, uh, the most famous or the most well-known, obviously, is the annual Granite Festival, which happened October 14th. It's this Saturday. Yeah. This, can you talk about that? Yes. So uh, every year, oh, since uh, even before the museum opened uh, in the 1990s, uh, the a community is set uh, October, September, someplace a weekend to do the Granite Festival. Right. And so it occurs this weekend Excellent. on Saturday from 10 to 4. And like in previous years, uh, we've got all sorts of interactives throughout the building, outside of the building. Um, this year, we've got the Stone Trust teaching a Stonewall building class on Saturday. Right. So you can go out and watch them do their thing. You can come in the building and watch Chris Miller uh, sculpt a tire for a 1942 John Deere tractor. Oh. Tires like seven feet in diameter. Oh, my word. Out of black granite. And then other sculptors will be throughout the building working on projects as well. And we've also got the products of uh, the Central Mont Career Center kids. They're learning how to sculpt in the building. And so you can see what they've been able to accomplish in the last month. What a fun uh, day. What well. time What time does it start, um so on Saturday, it's yeah. from 10 a.m. till 10, 4 p.m. 10 to 4. Uh, excellent. Uh, is the do they have the railroad as part of it this year or? No, uh, okay. there's there's no train or anything, yeah. but we do have the 1940s diesel locomotive outside. We do. I actually, I was working for it. I was working for Barry uh, City at the time. Uh, it was it was actually parked in downtown Barry City, um, behind the uh, Opera House and. Uh, 
I worked with the state and get all the permits and stuff to move that thing. And then I was out of town and couldn't watch them move it. I was so annoyed because what a, a sight. The pictures looked fabulous moving this train from um, downtown Barry City to the Granite Museum where it belongs. And it's just fabulous there. Well, good job. So uh, that's this Saturday from 10 to 4. I'm sure there'll be food trucks there and other stuff. All right, good. You also have um, a granite lecture and film series, which is happens. Um, it's Every on the Thursday. website. Yeah. yeah, and that's talk Every about Thursday that. At six o'clock. Some of the people that you have, I've just known them, are known of them uh, for years, and it's a fabulous lineup of people you've got. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So we were very fortunate uh, over the last three years. We've been able to acquire collections uh, like the Rock of Ages collection and then be able to find some funding to digitize these historic films, some of them dating back to the 19-teens. So 16 and 8-millimeter film and all sorts of magnetic tapes. Uh, And so that material has been sitting in boxes uh, for, in some cases, decades, and no one's seen them. Uh, and so we used our funding in order to have them preserved, digitized, remastered, improved the quality of the image as well as the sound. Uh, and so we've been showing people those uh, since June of this year. Every Thursday, uh, we do a small selection. And we've also had speakers. Um, there's a lot of historians and just people interested in uh, history of the granite communities in the state of Vermont. Uh, and so we've invited them to come in and give a um, brief presentation uh, between 6 and 7 p.m. on Thursdays. And uh, this Thursday, uh, we have uh, Paul Heller. Um, he's going to be talking about the Greenmount Cemetery. Uh, and uh, we'll get a glimpse as to, you know, why is it so important uh, that we know a little bit about the history of these people and what they do for our communities. And uh, so he's got those stories to tell. Oh, I I worked with Paul Heller years ago. He's fascinating. He's got so much knowledge. Um, and I may show up. What time is that, Scott? I'm filling out my calendar for the week. This evening. <laughs> this evening. Oh, perfect. Yeah. All right. Um, so, um, you know, the thing I like the most it was years ago, and I wish they would do it again. Lost Nation Theater, Kim Bent, um, uh, wrote a musical about the granite industry. Um, and stone. Yeah, stone. And it's on video. I mean, it's on a CD. I'm sure I don't even know if people have things to play CDs anymore, but, um, I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. And, um, they did the play at the museum on the stage. And I thought it was fabulous. And at the time, I was a commissioner of the Department of Labor and they used to, years ago, they used to teach people how to work in the stone industry. And we found uh, all of these old pictures from those days, and uh, we let um, um, the Lost Nation Theater borrow them, and they used the pictures as backdrop for the play. And so those were real students from Vermont and around the country um, working in our granite industry right here in Vermont. I just thought that was so cool. So there's some pictures hanging around in the Department of Labor, Scott, if you ever want to travel over there and, and sort through the, the piles. So that's pretty cool. Anyway, so speaking of training, could you talk about the Stone Art School um, yeah. and what it's all about? Sure. Um, a little bit about its origin. It 
this community here in Barry City has uh, supported a, a training program for the Stone Arts going back to 1902. Uh, Carlo Abate started teaching uh, the Stone Arts in his apartment. He's a master sculptor from Italy, uh, and um, the city of Barry recognized it as being something important, and so in 1910 they started putting money behind it, creating a memorial arts school. Uh, that then morphed into the Barry Tech program, um, and that came to an end in 1997. And when the museum acquired this building in 98, uh, they decided that they were going to dedicate about a third of the structure uh, to teaching the next generation of those working in the stone arts. And when I started here in 2014, um, my first objective was to create a museum and then uh, start working towards building a partnership um, with, first of all, an institution of higher education, uh, and then with uh, the modern version of the Tech Center, the Center Central Vermont Career Center. And um, we last year started with the Career Center uh, students uh, working here. So we had a couple of high school students. This year we have five enrolled, uh, and um, they've been plugging along since the beginning of September, uh, learning how to design and sculpt, uh, working with soft materials to start with, and then uh, eventually we'll be working with harder materials as their school year progresses. It's a one-year program. Norwich University uh, turned out to be uh, our partner of uh, institution of higher education, and so we work with uh, the uh, architecture and art program at Norwich University, and their students will hopefully start here in January. Great. That's exciting. Uh, yeah, it, it's going to be exciting to see uh, the students evolve uh, from you know, rudimentary skills in drawing and maybe clay work and uh, morphing that into uh, being able to create something uh, in durable stone that could last potentially for centuries. Because I think there was a while there, there was a discussion about people not being interested so much in in pursuing the granite industry as a career. And I know some of the sheds were um, were concerned about where the next generation would come from. And it sounds like maybe there's some um, uh, renewed interest, which would be very exciting. Yeah, the hope is that uh, we can not only teach through these formal programs, but also work with the Barry Granite Association's members, uh, which are, they've been representing the granite industries companies since the 1889, and so want to um, provide some training outside of work environment uh, for them uh, to improve skills, uh, and then also to the general public to try to open the door for them to these career opportunities uh, that are found in the granite industry in Vermont. That's awesome. Um, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm going to. Um, can you talk about from idea to completion, how that whole process works with the, the clay model and, and how that all works, um, for people? Cause I think it's fascinating. And, uh, when you go to the museum, uh, hopefully you can see some of the artists working in, in the different levels to create their, um, their end design. Yeah, actually, visitors this weekend or any time they come to the museum can play around with the first steps of that process. Cool. It usually begins by drawing some sketches, um, being inspired by something that already exists. Uh, and uh, so someone can sit down at the table with their colored pencils and look around the world <laughs> uh, in the room and uh, draw something. Then they take it over to the clay table 
and start creating some sort of clay caricature, just a small piece uh, that takes the two-dimensional drawing into the three-dimensional world. Uh, and uh, artists do the same thing, creating a clay caricature to convince a client uh, that they're on the right track uh, of creating something that fits the vision that they have in their mind. Uh, the next step is to scale that clay model up uh, and to something that might be equal size to the finished product or at least a scale, like a quarter scale, uh, something like that, and then cast it in plaster. Uh, and you'll see 750 plaster models that are here at the Granite Museum, some of them dating back a century, wow. uh, of all sorts of different things from cats, dogs, race cars, uh, to angels uh, and uh, saints. Um, the clay model uh, sometimes is made in oil-based, sometimes it's made in uh, water-based clays. If it's water-based, then it dries hard and can last a long time. But the clay model ultimately is uh, not a great one to take measurements from. You're better off taking it from a plaster model, which is more, bur- more durable. And those measurements are used in order to create the uh, granite sculpture uh, using a number of different methods. And those are demonstrated here at the museum. Oh, that's so, it's so, so fascinating to me. The one thing I always show visitors when I come there, there is a patent on the rose roses that are made here in Vermont. Um, and I don't, it's very difficult to make those 3D roses. And I think that was one of the discussions back, back in the day where they didn't have uh, folks that could do that type of sculpture and they patented the design it's the locking mechanism that uh, locks the sh- the rose into the the statue if i'm explaining that correctly could you talk more about that scott sure um, so um, the process is called shape carving it's a involves sandblasting the granite uh, and the um, Abrasives just chew away at the granite surface, uh, smashing the granite crystals into powder. And you can create really delicate features like roses, uh, other flowers, leaves. Um, You can even create sculpture uh, of individuals or uh, anything you want uh, within the stone through that sandblast process. And it's one of those things that was developed here uh, and... um, it's something that this community is well known for uh, throughout North America. Yeah, and the, the locking mechanism, um, can you expand on that? Because that's what's patented, correct? Is how? No, it's actually the sandblast. Oh, process. is it? Uh, yep, the oh. locking mechanism uh, was uh, an applique element uh, so that the rose could be sandblasted independently uh. Uh, from the rest of the monument. And then it could be like a key in a lock. Uh, it has a piece sticking out the back, right. and it could be inserted into a hole within uh, the granite, uh, glued right in with epoxy, right. uh, and it holds it right there in place. So That's it's a great. separate element. Scott, you were talking about um, the um, the roses. I was talking about them. I just love them. I think how amazing that we can do stuff like that. And remind me, there's a lot of uh, lace on um uh, a lot of the statues, which I'm sure is done by the same technique, right? Some of it is. Um, you know, Alfio Bersetti is the one who came up with the shape carving method um, right after World War II. 
And so there's a lot of people that have been trained in town uh, to conduct shaped carving Great. Uh, over the years. And so doing any of those delicate elements, that uh, was often done uh, through shape carving. Oh, that shape carving. And then also with small, uh, small little chisels and hammers, uh, uh, all done by hand. Yeah, the old-fashioned way, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And just so people know, um, I'm sure you're uh, very involved with Rock of Ages. If you go to Rock of Ages, they have a production floor, manufacturing floor, which you can stand uh, up high uh, on a plank way of sorts um, and uh, watch them do a lot of moving these incredible pieces of stone around. I'm not sure I'd be uh, volunteering to work underneath that, but that's a fabulous place to go and, and obviously to go take a tour of the the pits themselves and watch how they remove the granite. And um, There's so much stuff to do in the Barry area. It's just amazing. And you share your building with the Barry Granite Association. Uh, Doug Grom is the executive director. And um, they have a marble board table there. I don't know how they move that thing. It's like, it was incredible. You can't budget. I mean, it's just unbelievable, the weight of that table. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, that granite uh, conference table yeah. uh, is uh, definitely a centerpiece for that space. I bet. And I bet they had a look at the floor before they put that thing down. It would go right through <laughs> yeah, into it the... Is a granite- it is a granite counter, a granite countertop essentially that's three inches thick. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> it's incredible. It's, it's pretty impressive. I bet so. sitting there you feel the power of the of the stone, and it's like whoa. <laughs> um, anyway, um, so a lot in your website talks about community, and um, obviously you're associated with the Barry Granite Association uh, because it's just there. And can you talk about the museum community and who you think, uh, who you work with mostly? So, um, because uh, up until May of this year, I was the only paid employee here. <laughs> Bless uh, you. Our community had to uh, be as broad as possible um, in terms of attracting volunteers uh, and donors. Uh, and so, uh, one of the things we've done is to tap into for our volunteer base uh, is. All the state agencies that do um, workforce development, so Department of Labor, Department of Children and Families. Um, we've also worked with the Restorative Justice Program, the nice. county courts. Uh, we've worked with Washington County Mental Health. Uh, we work with the area high schools uh, for community service, uh, as well as work-based learning, um, special education programs. And so we typically have up to you know, 50, 75 different volunteers Great. working at the building here uh, throughout the year. Uh, and what's great is that through word of mouth, uh, those volunteers have spread word about the good things that we do yep. for our community. Uh, and that has led to a donor base that involves not just the granite industry, but a lot of businesses throughout central Vermont and uh, also the nonprofit organizations uh, they support us by uh, sharing resources, ideas, uh, right. encouraging us to do things. Um, and uh, the donor base uh, involves uh, a lot of retirees uh, that have worked in the granite right. industry and their families. Let's see it really important that this material be preserved and we educate the next generation about the importance of the granite industry, not just to Barry City, 
uh, but to the state of Vermont. For sure. We're only one community uh, that relies on granite. We do that up to the present. Some other communities, uh, it was important to them in the late 19th, early 20th century, but not so much today. Communities like Hardwick and Woodbury, um, there is still a quarry in Woodbury, but there's no manufacturing taking place in Hardwick. Right. And for a long time, Hardwick was really a center of granite production in Vermont, uh, and lost sway when huh. Barry became more popular. Scott, we've got a caller, Jim from Barry. Jim, you're on the air. You want to talk to Scott? Uh, hi, good morning. Good morning. I just have a an interesting observation and a feel-good observation um, <clears throat> that just kind of demonstrates how integrated and, and embedded the granite industry is in in, um, in the Barry area culture. I don't have anything to do with the granite industry. I know very little about it. Uh, don't know many people that even still work in it. But I've lived in Barry for 30, 35 years. And as soon as he mentioned the, um, I was going to say how much Hope Cemetery is also integrated right. into culture. But as soon as he mentioned the model of the, the angel and the model of the race car, race, so that's Joey LeCare and Amy Hilford. He's great. There you go. It, it just gave me this feeling of, we're really kind of connected to, through granite um, to the, the history and the culture of the area. So anyway, that's just my observation for the day. Well, thank you, Jim, very much. Scott, you want to respond? That's exactly what I have. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, every time we have company. Model, yeah. And I've also got the uh, Hilferty one uh, right here in the museum. So oh, do you really? Yeah. <laughs> And um, I, every time I have guests coming in from out of state, I always say we're going to the Hope Cemetery, and they look at me like I'm, you know, been smoking something. And uh, I said, no, just wait, just wait. And of course, when you go there, they're just flabbergasted with um, all the stories and the, the what's being depicted in granite. And uh, the one I love, who sculpted the uh, cello? Uh, do you you know his name is Scott? Um, oh, Pal. Oh, rats. I apologize. I sat next to him at, a, at an event, and he explained to me how he made the cello and how long it took because the strings of the cello, you can put your hands around them, and they're made of granite. And uh, he was talking about how um, how long it took them to do that. And I'm trying to think about the skill that, that it takes to make um, a string out of granite. I mean, the the, ta- the talent we have in this place is incredible. Yeah. Yeah, and Hope Cemetery has been uh, a showcase for the granite industry since right. the 1890s, and it continues to do that today. Uh, we recently had some memorial dealers uh, here at the museum on Saturday uh, and from Tennessee. They toured Hope Cemetery, had never seen anything like it in their lives, mm. uh, and they were just blown away. Um, like everyone else, we encourage people to go to Rock of Ages, Hope Cemetery, yep. go up to Millstone, uh, and hike the trails, see the old quarries, yep. see that industrial landscape and how it's being taken over by Mother Nature today. <laughs> uh, the piles of waste granite that tower above you. Uh, it's just an awesome site. Yeah, it is. It's, it's amazing. We are very fortunate to, to live here. So we've got a few minutes left, Scott. Um, oh, could you tell people if, if they want to become a volunteer, um, what should they do? And if they want to provide any donations, what should they do? Well, 
certainly contact us here at the Granite Museum. You can do it at uh, info at vtgranitemuseum.org uh, or call us at 802-476-4605. There you go. Uh, you can log on to our website and find all the contact information there as well. Uh, and uh, we've got all kinds of projects for volunteers to work on, and that includes being on our board, committees, or just coming in and volunteering a few hours. Helping me deal with 11 and a half acres of mowing. <laughs> call Phil, call Governor um, Scott. That's, that's, that's a funny story. Anyway, so what is your, just kind of step it back in the next couple of minutes, what is your vision for the museum going forward, Scott? Well, I'm still working on trying to create uh, a must-see museum uh, for Vermont. Uh, we think of the Shelburne Museum as a must-see. Everybody right. that comes to the state goes to uh, the Shelburne Museum. They go to Ben & Jerry's, and I want to be on that list. Uh, I also want to be on the list of uh, the stone arts uh, schools that are not only recognized here in Vermont, but uh, internationally. Awesome. We've got, as you pointed out, some amazing sculptors, and they could be our instructors to teach this next generation that works in the stone arts. You know what's really great about all of the instructors that are at the museum? They are just so willing to share what they know and knowledge with people. Um, and your volunteers, I interviewed volunteers at one point for a small thing on the website, and they were so excited to be there and so knowledgeable um, and just wanted to share the Barry history of the granite uh, industry. And it's just a wonderful environment. And I give you a lot of credit. You've really done an amazing job at the um, Granite Museum. I'm sure your board of directors, I know they appreciate all the work that you do. And it's a great legacy, Scott. So thank you. And thank Dad. That's a good thing. <laughs> I thought that was funny when I, who's that? That's Scott's dad. It's a family, a family venture. <laughs> anyway, so, um, we're going to sign off in just a minute and, um, thank you very much, Scott, for, um, coming on the show. If you'll stay with us, Chris Barbieri, who's the former director of the Asia Division of Vermont Chamber of Commerce and a few other hats he wears, but he's going to talk to us about China which should be an interesting discussion given what's going on these days. So this is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. See you in just a minute.